Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. So today I want to talk to those of you who have been praying and asking God for something and you have not received it yet. You've been praying for that breakthrough. You've been praying for that blessing and you haven't received it yet. I have one question for you. Have you positioned yourself to receive it? Have you put yourself in position to receive your blessing? That's the title of my my message today, Positioning Yourself to Receive. Many of us, many Christians, many people ask God for things that, and we have not done the necessary things that we need to do to be in position to receive what we're asking for. Let's look at football for a second. One of the main players on the field is the quarterback. The main goal of the quarterback is to get the ball down the field to his receiver or the running back to score a touchdown to win the game. Now, he doesn't just throw the ball all willy-nilly. He makes sure he throws the ball to the person who's in position to receive it. When when the receiver gets down the field, he has to be in position. He has to get to where he's going to be to be in position to receive. And the quarterback doesn't throw it where he is. Throws it where he's going to go, to his position in the play. So he looks and he strategizes and he sees whoever is there. Now, how many of you know you don't get the ball by just standing still at the line of scrimmage? You know, when he snaps, you know, he's not going to give it to you if, you if you don't move. Now, if we were a football team and Jesus was our quarterback and the football was our blessing of breakthrough and we all were receivers, would you say you're in position to receive the ball? What you're believing for. Now, everything, you may be in some things, but that thing that you want that you haven't received yet, could you say you're in position to receive that ball and score a touchdown? Now, if you watch any football game, you know that, like I said, the quarterback doesn't just throw the ball up willy-nilly. That receiver has a play. They have a playbook. And when he goes, he may run, he may juke, he's making the necessary moves to get down the field to where he needs to be for, I'm going to use my team, for example, for Montana to throw that ball to Rice. <laughs> I'm a 49ers fan, so you throw that ball to Rice. And there are a lot of people who just sit, pray, and expect God to just do for them and give them what they want. I was one of those people. I like to use myself as an example. I believe that if I just speak it and I just sit here and don't do anything, that's, this was before I got married, guys, long ago. Now, if I believe that if I just sit here, if I just speak it, that God is going to happen. All I got to do, I don't have nothing to do. No matter the things I knew I had to do, I didn't do those things. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God can't just bless whoever he chooses for whatever reason he chooses, whenever he chooses, because he can. But there's certain things that we're asking God for that we have to be in a position to receive it. Because the more I experience life, and the more I read God's word, I'm convinced that most blessings don't and breakthroughs don't come when we're just standing still. They come when we do the necessary things to get ourselves in position to receive them. Let's look at some examples in scripture. Before Abraham could become the father of many nations, he had to first position himself in the land of Canaan. Before Peter could walk on water, he had to first position himself on the water. He had to step out. Before the woman with the issue of blood could get healed, she had to first position herself at the feet of Jesus. And before Jesus could reconcile us back to God and defeat the power of sin and death, he had to position himself on the cross. 
he had to put they, we had they had to get in position to receive those blessings. Now, what I'm trying to tell you today is that what you're looking for to receive from God will most not like will most not likely not be caught by you just standing still, but you're placing yourself in position to receive. There are things we want to do, guys, because God wants to bless you. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to give you those things you need. But some things God needs to see us make moves first before he gives them to us. He needs to see us. He needs to know that we're going to be responsible enough. Like parents, you're not going to give your kids the keys to the car. Unless they position themselves to take driver's ed. Position themselves to actually teach them how to drive. Pastor's not going to give Zage the keys to the car. Not now. Even though, <laughs> funny story, guys. Zage has a BMW car. Pastor sent us a video when she first got in the car. And she took off. I mean, she it got close to her car. She, it's like she knew how to drive. She got that thing and she just took off. And they, they looked and she was going there. And she said, But it was funny because instinctively, she knew what to do. But there are certain things, you know, we got to know on the road. There are certain things, maneuver. Um, Evasive maneuvers when you drive and you got to do and things. It's just like with God, with blessings. We got to make moves to get in position. You may have to give up some things. You may have to give up some people. You may have to change the way you think about some things. I'm going to talk about that a little today. Second Corinthians 9, 8 in the Amplified. And it reads, and God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing Come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid, to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That scripture right there lets you know that God wants you blessed. He wants you blessed in abundance. He wants you to have no need for anything. But how many of you know that when we need something, when we need to get something, we have to position ourselves to be able to do it. We have to learn certain things. We have to change certain things. If you want to lose weight, you have to start working out. Uh, my wife and I, we've been going through, I've been saying for years, I want to look better in my clothes. A certain way I want to fit in my clothes. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to shop at H&M. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. H&M is for skinny people. And I, I was so mad at H&M because I go in there, a 2X was even tight on me. And I said, man, I can't even, they have some nice stuff. I wanted to shop at H&M. But for years, I'd be like, you know, I want to shop at H&M, but I can't do it. Too bad my wife would tell me, you need to lose weight, you need to work out, you need to work out. And I wouldn't do it. So she had this friend of hers that has this exercise program that a couple of times she wanted me to do. I said, no, I'm doing this one, doing this one. And and it wouldn't do anything because I kind of knew looking at that one, it's going to take a lot of work. <laughs> this one didn't really take any work, you know. I was like, okay, I can do this one because I can slack a little bit. No, no I got to change what I eat. I can use it. Like this one, I'm like, no, nah, I don't know exactly what it is, but looking at his muscles, looking at his arm, I don't know. And I'd be like, no, I'm doing it. So she tried what I was doing, and we saw no results, no results. But I said, okay, she said to me this year, let's do it. I said, okay, we can do it. So I braced myself because I knew what moves I was going to have to make. I knew I wasn't going to be able to cheat and go to McDonald's and Wendy because she was going to stay on me. So um, I said, let's do it. And in eight weeks, I was able to go to H&M Amen. and put on a shirt at H&M. 
because I made the necessary moves. Now, I didn't buy the shirt from H&M because I didn't really like it, but I bought the same shirt from Old Navy, you know. But when I went to Old Navy, where I was in an extra large before, it was a large. You know, because I made the necessary moves we both made. And to see my wife, her transformation, we both made the necessary moves that we need to get in a position to receive that. I received the blessing. Now I can go shop at Old Navy. So if anybody, if you know any Old Navy gift cards you want to grab, you know, bless the brother. Just joking. But I want to say it because those are things we have to do. Just use the weight may be an example. Um, Getting off of medicines may be an example. Um, this is a testimony for later, but I was able to back off my insulin. Because of that. And I want to say that I had to I had to stop taking them because they were lowering my blood sugar wow. in the middle of the night in my sleep. Because I made the necessary moves to do that. And we have to learn how to position ourselves to receive from God. And I'm not saying you got to work to receive from God, but you do have to make the necessary moves. To get in place. Now, example, my favorite football team again. So we're talking about football. When Montana told Rice that he was giving him the ball, Rice had to make the necessary moves. Whether he had to juke a player or he had to get that route. So he had to spin move he, or he had to beat you off like Rice always did. He come beat you off the, off the line. You know, but he had to get there to get in position to where Montana can throw the ball to where he's going to be to catch it. Now, what if God wants to bless you, but he can't because you're not in a position? Now, what if Satan is intercepting your blessings due to you not making the necessary moves to receive? Now, as in football, it's defense. Somebody always wants to block you. Now, Satan is there to block you, too. Satan hears what you're saying. When you say, God, I want this, Satan can hear you. He hears you just like God hears you. His, his goal is to block you from receiving those blessings. His goal is to stop you, whether it's through people whether it's through yourself, a lot of times it's us that's blocking our blessings. A lot of times it's us not doing the things that we need, and we know what we need to do. How many know you know what you need to do to change? I knew what I needed to do to lose weight, but I didn't want to do the work. And so those are things we got to know. So the first thing you need to do is you have to believe that God wants to bless you. You have to believe that he wants to give you the things you want. I use my son as an example. He believes that when he asks me for a toy, he's going to get it. He said this morning on the bed and told him what he wanted for his birthday. He didn't say, Daddy, can I have you say, Daddy, I'm going to get Splatoon birthday party. I'm going to get Splatoon toy, and I'm going to get um, Mario Smash Bros. Uh, he get with that list. So I wrote it down. I'm not saying you're going to get all that. But he believed that I want him. When he come home, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm still hungry. I'm hungry. He knows he believes that mommy and daddy wants him to have food. When he asks for money, he believes that dad, and thank God he don't ask for money, not yet. But, uh, but he believes that we want to bless him. And that's how God wants us. He wants us to believe that he wants to give us the desires of our hearts. Psalms 34, 37, 4 in the Amplified reads, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. Hebrews 11.6 in Amplified reads, But without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder 
of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Now, this scripture just explained believing God and making the necessary moves to receive the blessing. So it said, whoever would come near to God, making moves, must necessary to believe. Believing is still making a move. It's something you have to do. You must believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder blessing you to those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. So we have to believe that God wants to earnestly reward us for the things that we do. So when you do things like my, our son, when he does things, when he does his chores, when he takes the trash out, when he does things we ask him to do, he gets rewarded. So in God, it's the same with God. When we make those moves, God wants to reward you for the things you do, for seeking him, for living for him, he, because he wants us to live and be an example to the world. Now, the Passion Translation of Hebrews reads, and without faith within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. So, again, God rewards you when you do the things to receive your blessing. So in other words, enjoying the time and seeking God and spending time in his word is the key to building your faith, which will strengthen your belief system to receive God. I'll say that again. So enjoying seeking God and spending time in his word is the key to building up your faith, which will strengthen your belief system to receive from God. You have to build up your faith to believe that God wants to uh, bless you, because if you don't believe it, he can't do it. He's not going to give. Now, again, like I said, God, if he wants to, he can just bless you anyway. But there's certain things we have to we have to believe. We have to have faith. What does the word say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Next thing you have to do is you have to be specific. I always get that word messed up. Specific about what you need or want from God. You got to be specific. You got to break it down. You got to tell God. I heard um, Kenneth Copeland say this all the time. When you give your seed, name your seed. Yeah. Write on the envelope what you need, but you have to be sus- <laughs> That word. <laughs> With God about what you want. Now, I ask this question. If God knows the thoughts of our hearts, he knows our thoughts and what we're going to do next, and he already knows the desire of your heart, why do we need to be specific? You know, why do I need to be specific, God, if you already know what I want, if you already know what I need? Well, us being specific is not about God. It's about us knowing what we need to do to get in position to receive. Because if you don't know what you want, you don't know what you got to do to get there. If pastor didn't know um, those positions he applied for, if he didn't know what he wanted, that he would need a new salary because he wanted to take care of his family, because he wanted to be able to buy his kids things, he wanted to be able to buy Pastor Stacy things, he wanted to be able to do that, he would not have known what he needed to do to get in a position. Now, they told him, they trained him, like I said, but he knew he needed to apply for the position. If he hadn't applied, sometimes you, they can come to you, but if he hadn't applied, he wouldn't have known. If I hadn't put in necessary work, listen to my wife, about the program, then I wouldn't be able to go to Old Navy. I mean, Old Navy too. Well, H&M. I wouldn't be able to go because I didn't, I wasn't specific. I was specific because I wanted to be able to go to H&M and I wanted to get off the diabetes medicine. That's right. That was my goal. My goal was to prove my doctors wrong because I had one doctor, my very first endocrinologist say, Mr. Holloway, if you change what you're eating and exercise, you can get rid of diabetes. Then I had other doctors say, well, you'll never get rid of it 
because you always have to take insulin, always be there. You don't know God, doc. So, but, uh, but, but my other doctor, the first doctor, he was a Christian, and he said, Mr. Holloway, if you change your eating habits and you work out, you'll get rid of diabetes. My goal was to believe him because I knew that was God speaking through him and prove the doctors wrong. So I had to be specific about what I needed to do, but I had to learn those things, too. And so we had to be specific about God so we know how to get in position what we're asking for. Now, in order to, be, to get in position to receive, you have to be specific in two areas. First one is where, where you need the breakthrough and blessing and what's blocking you from receiving. So you have to know where you need to be blessed. Now, sometimes we can just will and know, God, I need money. For what? What do you need the money for? Where do you need the money? What, what areas? In order to receive from God, you need to know what area of your life you need what you're asking for in. Because if you're just asking God for money, then you could want the money to go and just do a shopping spree. Um, if you're single, go get you a bunch of women, go to Maui and, um, you know, and, but if, if you're married, you could want the money to just uh, go on shopping sprees, not tell your wife you got it. My wife will find out. I don't know how, but she will uh, every time. Um, but you need to, uh, I know how she found because she'll ask me and I can't lie to her. So that's how she found um, But you need to know an area. Maybe it's in your finances. Or maybe it's in a relationship. Um, maybe you need to be delivered from an addiction or need healing in your body. But whatever the need is, you need to be specific about it and ask God for wisdom in those areas. Because one thing, if you're not specific, you'll be all over the place with your prayers. You won't know what to pray for. You won't know uh, what exactly to say to God that you need. You won't know what resources you need to ask for. You won't know uh, where you need to ask God to be. You want to know, I, I had to get specific with my prayers to where um, I had to find resources of confessions for what when I wanted to pray for my wife and for us, for a house, for my family. When my prayer time is confession time, I got confessions of things written out that I read because I wanted to be specific about what I'm asking God for. So when that changes, then I, I flip it. One thing before I got married. I wrote down everything I wanted in a wife, everything, and I turned it into a confession. Now, at the time, I was going after this young lady who I thought was it. She wasn't. Turned out she wasn't. When I met my wife, we've been married almost eight years, I realized she's everything I wrote down and more that I didn't. So, but see, I was specific. And God gave me what I was specific about. So I wrote those things down. We have to be like that in every area of our life. Write it down. Be specific. Say, God, I need $100,000 because I want to do this. I want to buy a new house. I want to buy a new car. I want to bless some people. I want to give more to the church. I need to buy my son this. I need to pay off these bills. I need to pay off these debts. Be specific. If you need healing, God. I have diabetes. Well, I don't like to say I have because I don't like to receive it. God, they say I have the symptoms of diabetes. I don't want it. For me, I got tired of sticking myself. I got tired of pricking myself. I got tired of not being able to eat certain things because it's going to shoot my blood sugar up. So I said, God, I don't want And I was specific about it, which I believe that I am being healed because I was specific. And I haven't gone back to my doctor. He said, you're not diabetic anymore. 
But I'm believing that I am being healed because I was specific. My family, we're doing better in our finances because we were specific with God about where we needed our finances to change. And so God is changing things. When you're specific about those areas, you'll be able to place your prayers on certain things and specific things for God to bless you. And God said, hmm, let me give him that blessing today. We'll get that one later because when I bless him with this, he'll be able to do that. Then when I bless him with that, it's like connect the dots with your blessing. You know, connect the dots because God can just take you and take you and take you because you're specific. And you give God something to work with when you're specific. So the next thing is you have to know what's blocking your blessings. Now, you know, in football, there's always that defense. There's always somebody trying to block you, trying to get you from getting down the field, trying to stop you at the line of scrimmage, trying to push you. And so you got to get around him. The receiver, got he got to beat him off the line. The running back got to get through that hole before you tackle. You got There's always somebody trying to black, block you. And Satan is the same way. Satan is, is, the, is there to block your blessings. Now, he may do it in many different ways. Like I said, he may use you. He may use other people, but he's going to try to block you or intercept your blessing to keep you from getting it. And there are several ways that you could be your blessings could be blocked. And I'm talking about with us and us. I'm not talking about other people. We already know other people. I'm talking about us. What we may need to fix. One is unbelief. We talked about believing. Hebrews uh, 3, 18 through 19 in the Amplified says, and to whom he to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who disobeyed, who had not listened to his word and who refused to be compliant or be persuaded. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Listen to this. Unbelief had shut them up. Unbelief shut them out from going into the promised land. Unbelief shut them out from receiving their blessing. They did not believe God. They did not believe. So their unbelief of what God wanted to do for them, their unbelief that God blessed them, that he uh, brought them out, that he brought, wanted to take them into the promised land. Because here's the thing. They felt it was taking too long. They felt it was taking too long. Another example, yesterday, my son, my mom bought him a game for his birthday. We downloaded the game. The game said two hours to download. He was having a fit. It's taking too long. It's taking too long. And I, 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 look, I, was, I had my, my message there going on my stuff. And I was like, do you believe that the game, that you're going to get the game? Just believe it's going to happen and it'll happen. It's going to take time, but you got to say, son, you got to be patient. And it'll happen. So he said that he counted down every blip, every time. And he said, daddy, can you count with me? Nope. I'm not believing for the game. You are. <laughs> so, but he, he and I said, I put on Facebook, I said, what if he had the internet that we had in the 90s? With an AOL man? And then as it gets closer, he speed up. It's, it took forever. But he would have a fit if they had that now. But he, we got to, and the, the reason they got shut out because they felt that God was trying to rush God. They didn't believe that God wanted to bless him because it didn't happen on their time. 
It didn't happen when they wanted to happen. So when we trust and believe God that he's working on our behalf, we can relax, work diligently to position ourselves to receive what we're praying for. We can just relax. There was a time when uh, I had a te- have a testimony. There was a time when uh, before I got married, my mom and my sister were staying with me. And I got laid off from my job and we was about to get put out of my apartment. I had nowhere to take everybody. And they said, you have to have $1,100 by Monday morning or you're going to get put out. You're going to get evicted. I said, God, I had $100 in my bank account. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm in the car crying. I said, I got my mom, I got my sister. She's pregnant. She got another kid with her. I said, I don't have no way to take them. I don't know what to do. The guy started playing back in my mind all the things, how many times he's blessed me. So I said, caught myself. I said, God, I'm going to the house to take a nap. I said, I can't do nothing. You got it. I'm going to the house to take a nap. Went out, took a nap, woke up next morning. A guy from my church called me. He said, I was praying, and the Lord told me that whatever you need, give it to you. I said, I need $1,000 to pay my rent. Meet me at maybe at such such place in an hour. Met him at the place. He gave me the money. was able to pay my rent. Gave me another month. But I believed God wanted to bless me when, when I, as I was praying. When I said, God, there's nothing I can do. It's on you. You got it. I'm going to take a nap. It happened because I believed when I said I'm going to take a nap. There was nothing else I could do. You know, so I gave it to him. And so he blessed me. So you have unbelief can stop you from getting your blessing. So if you're in any part of your area of your life and you don't believe that you can, and we can believe, unbelief, have unbelief subtly. We may not know we're not believing, but when we research ourselves and we see why we're not getting our blessings and you learn that, then you go to God and build up your faith. The next thing is fear. Fear can block you from getting your blessing. Um, Isaiah 41.10, in the past translation reads, Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me, for I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will hold you firmly with my victorious right hand. It's saying that you don't have to be afraid of anything because God is right there. He's right. He's holding you firmly with his victorious right hand. So you have the victory. Now, we made pastor say it one time. and I've heard you say it before. That some people are in fear of success. You're afraid of what could happen if you do it. I was I was doing that because what happened is it'll stop you from going any further. Because you're afraid that if I get it, my thing was I was afraid if I got it, I wouldn't be able to keep it because I'm going to do something to mess it up. And so fear can block you from getting your blessings, too. The next one is pride. First Peter five, five in the passage translation reads, God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you're humble. Read that again. God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you are humble. Guys, pride is a lie that makes you think you're above God and others. I'll say that again. Pride is a lie that Satan uses to make you think that you are above God and others. Now, you may say, I never think I'm above God. That's pride. If you're even saying that, then you probably think that. <laughs> 
But pride it, it, and Satan doesn't want you to automatically feel like you're above God. He makes you he give, he influences your thoughts by making you think thoughts. Well, I don't I don't deal with that. You know, I don't need it. I don't need to hear what you're saying today, Pastor. I don't need the word. You know, if, if you come to church and nothing in the word that's preached impacts you, that's pride. Something in that sermon, whether it's a piece of the scripture, whether it's a point the pastor says, whether it's something that's said, something should impact you. You should never come to church and leave where something in the word has not impacted you. Whether you got it together or not, it should be something that gives you a piece of advice where you can do more because you can always do more. You can always go higher with what you're doing. Pride will have you thinking that you have no flaws and you do everything right. It'll have you thinking you do everything right. You, I don't, I don't need you. I, I got this. I got it. You know, I know this. Um, I got 12 degrees. I, I know it. Um, I got 10 masters. You know, I don't need your help, but we can always learn from somebody. We can always learn from somebody. My wife has, I think, about four, <laughs> about I think she has four masters. No, I do not. Uh, she has a few masters and bachelors. But one thing, my wife is always learning. No matter how many degrees she has, she's always learning more. She ne- I've never seen her be proud to say she could learn from somebody, even if a person is, uh, don't have the degrees that she has. That, and that's how we got to be. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. We can't be uh, proud, but pride, um, it will lead, and that thinking like that ultimately leads to humiliation. Yeah. It leads to you being humiliated because you may feel like I got this under control and then somebody's going to call your bluff. God may call your bluff. And when God calls your bluff, that's, that don't feel good. When God calls your bluff, when you're like, I don't need it. I got this. Then God will put you, allow you to be put in a position where you'll flop. I, I've seen times where people, that sounds to me, well, I, I got up there and I didn't study. Um, I had, may have had to preach and I didn't study or I didn't had to play it and I got up there and I just flopped. Where people like looking like, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, and still try and go, but you can flop, and you will, be, you will get humiliated if you f- continue to operate in pride. And God wants you to operate in a spirit of humility, which is a spirit he can bless. God will bless the humble. He will bless you if you're humble. Next thing is unforgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 through 15, the Passion Translation reads, And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your father withholds forgiveness from you. The scripture makes it very clear. God will not forgive you if you can't forgive others. And he cannot bless an unforgiving heart. He cannot because every time you goes back to you want something from God, he, he will bring up to you, have you forgiven so and so. Have you forgiven that person? Have you released that? You know, that's why me, I'm always, no matter what, if I didn't do anything wrong and there's an issue with me and somebody 
else I go to that person whether I did something wrong or not and say, hey, let's talk about this. And I'll, I'll apologize for whatever I said or did to bring it to this situation. Make sure that my heart is forgiven. I'm not holding any unforgiveness to keep me from receiving blessings. And I do that all. I do that in my marriage. I do that with my family. I do that, hey, with my wife, if she's upset, babe, if I did something, I apologize or whatever. I, babe, please forgive me um, because I want my marriage to be blessed. I want those things to be blessed. I pastor tell, I do a pastor. I'll come, Pastor Vaughn, you know, hey, um, I need you to forgive me uh, for this. If I said this or if, if it came off wrong, if it did that, please forgive me. I'm going to ask for you because I want my heart to be, because I want God to bless me. He cannot bless an unforgiving heart. Amen. You guys getting something out of the word today? Hey, um, guys, when you're specific about the areas you need to receive from God and what's blocking you from receiving, you will begin the process of getting in position to receive. All right. Next thing you need to do is this is very, very big. You need to change your words. Change what you are saying. Proverbs 18, 20 and Amplify reads, a man's moral self shall, shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied whether good or evil. Now, I love the scripture because the key word I focus on here all the time is the word must. It says, a man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied, whether good or evil. Mean what you say must happen, whether it's good or whether it's bad. The words you're speaking over your life, over anyone else's life, over your family's life, over the situation. What you say next about the situation is going to happen, whether it's good or evils, evil. These two scripture verses teach us that uh, words have a very powerful effect on our lives. God wants you to realize the impact of your words, guys. Your words have the power to bring either positive or negative results to your life. I always say, um, I preached this message one time. It was titled, The Authority of Your Response. Your response has authority. What you say next, if you're in a situation, what you say next in a situation, what you do next, the words that come out of your mouth, Determine what's going to happen. Um, I do that with my wife. If we're having a disagreement, before I say anything, I catch myself. And I go and I pray. It may be a quick prayer. And I look for Holy Spirit to have the next thing out of my mouth be influenced by Holy Spirit because I never want to say anything to hurt her. Or I never want to say the wrong thing that's going to take that brief discussion, disagreement to a big argument. Because husbands, how do you know that the next words out of our mouth could change it? I mean, one time I said something um, to her and I used a word and it made her upset. And I went outside and I called my best friend. I said, man, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, what you say? I said, he said, oh, trigger word. I said, what? He said, trigger word. I said, what do you mean? He said, there are trigger words that you will say to your wife that no matter whether you meant it like that, she heard it like that. She heard it the way that you, the way she felt it. It's a trigger word. He said, so you got it. He said, man, I've been at this for 10 years. So let me tell you. <laughs> he said, he said, the trigger word you use 
The next word you use will determine where that, that discussion goes. That's like when our lives, the next words we speak out of our mouth when we're going through something, whether we want something from God, determines whether you get it or whether it's delayed. So if you say things like, I'm tired of going through this. Why do I have to keep going through this? I'm just going to go through this. Not enemy me doing something. This is just going to happen. I'm just going to go through it again. Then you're going to go through it again. If you keep saying, I'm tired of going through this, then you're just going to be tired. You're just going to be tired. You keep, I'm tired of going through I'm tired of dealing with this. Then every time you're going to deal with that situation, you're going to deal with it. God, why can't I, pass, why can't I get through this test? Because you keep you're asking the same question. You're asking the same question. You know, I try to think of something philosophical like uh, they would say on the movies, the question you seek is the answer you need. You know, <laughs> But you, because you got to be careful. So when you're in situations, you have to say things like, I'm out of this. I'm coming out of this. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. God's word says, I am blessed. God, you said I was healed before the foundation of the world, so I'm healed. God, you said your word says you want to bless me, so I'm going to bless me. Your word said I'm, I'm blessed in abundance to the full till it overflows. I am blessed in abundance to the full overflow in every situation of my life, in this situation, in the situation to come. When you say those, when you speak God's words, and you speak the right words, then it will change. If someone makes you mad, don't like, you bleep and bleep, 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 and bleep, bleep. No, you say, you know what? God bless you. That's how you feel. You know, I understand that. I apologize if you got it. And sometimes I know it's hard because you got those people, boy, that just get you to a point where you just want to say. And guys, here's the thing. We're, we're human. We have natural emotions. So if you slip and you say it, then you just got to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. You know, and you got to say, I denounce that word that I just released. You got to say, I denounce that word that I just released and, and bring it back because you released that word and you ask God to forgive you and then just change what you're saying. Yeah. The message translation um, of that scripture breaks it down even more. It says, words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. That's so good. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. It said it, that good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. A good harvest will last you for a minute. You know, farmers, when they harvest, when they got a good crop, oh my God, they can make money off that crop, they can live off that crop. Same thing with your words. You need God to bless you in your finances? Speak over your finances. You need God to bless you healing your body? Speak over your body. You need God to bless your family? Speak over your family. You need God to bless your church. Speak over your church. You need a new car. Speak over that new car. Whatever area you need, speak the words over. Speak the word. So you speak the words and then speak the word of God over it. You have it because your tongue is an instrument of death or life. Ask yourself, how are you using it? How are you using your tongue? You have to speak the results you want, not the situation. Guys, you have to speak the results. Now, so, so whatever situation you're in, don't speak about the situation. Don't even talk about it like that. Speak the results. Speak the word. Like I said, speak what you want. I will be blessed. I will have financial increase. I will live in abundance till it overflows to the full. I will be debt free. I will have a new car, debt free. I will have a new house, debt free. 
I will be healed in my body and not have to take any more medicine forever. Yeah. It won't come back. I will be healed from cancer with no return. I will be married with the spouse of my dreams. I will have what I need. When you speak those things, you will be blessed. You have to constantly speak it. So once you start speaking, once you start using the words, then you got to expect to receive it. You got to be in expectation to receive what you're believing. So Philippians 1.20 in Amplified reads, This in keeping with my own eager desire and persistent expectation and hope that I shall not disgrace myself nor be put to shame in anything. But now I want to go back to that for a second. Now, this is this in keeping with my own eager desire and persistent expectation and hope that I shall not disgrace myself or be put to shame in anything. Saying that when you're believing what God wants you to receive, that you will not be disgraced or be put to shame because you're believing God. You can confess it. And if somebody said, well, you don't have this, but God's got it. You can know that God is not going to disgrace you or put you to shame because he's going to bless you. And says, but that with the utmost freedom of speech, speaking about it, and unfailing courage, now as always heretofore, Christ the Messiah will magnify and get glory and praise in this body of mine and be boldly exalted in my person, whether through by life or through by death, like I just said, he's going to be glorified when you speak the word. When you speak the right words of your situation, not only do you get the glory, not only do you be blessed, but God is blessed because people see what he's done for you and it becomes a testimony to other people. Uh, the Passion Translation reads, no matter what, I will continue to hope and passionately cling to Christ. So that he will be openly revealed through me, through your blessings, before everyone's eyes. So I would not be ashamed in my life or in my death. Christ will be magnified in me. So in life, when people are seeing you being blessed, they're going to say, wow, God is with them. God has blessed them. In death, when you die, what's the legacy that's going to be left? What are people going to say about you? What are people going to say you left and how you impacted our lives when you were here? That's what it means by in or in my death, because people are going to say when people come and they eulogize you, what are they saying about your life? Can they say, well, they say great person, live for God, magnify God. They impacted me by their speech. They impacted me by their life, by how God blessed them. Or will they just come up with a generic eulogy because they didn't know what your life did? Or they didn't know what you were speaking the wrong things? You know, but you, God will be magnified when you expect. You have to expect God to bless you. You have to be in expectation. I tell you right now, my son is back there and children are even thinking about his birthday. <laughs> he's even thinking about getting that Splatoon stuff because he's been talking about it for like a few months. He's expecting to get those things. I'm expecting God to bless me. I'm expecting to go to my doctor and he say, you don't have diabetes anymore. I'm expecting that. My wife and I, we're expecting God to bless us in the areas that we're asking him for. So when you expect, as you stand and watch an expectation of what God's going to do in your life and you do necessary things to get in position, you will see God move. 
You will see God more when you do these things. Not only will you see it, but others will see it as well. Like the Bible said, Habakkuk said, write the vision and make it plain so that others may see. When you do these things, you're going to make it so others can see. And your life is a testimony to bring others to Christ. And the last thing you have to do is you have to praise God in advance. We have to praise God in advance. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, the Amplify, I love to Amplify. And it reads, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad hearted continually, always. Be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. God has already given you everything you need. He's already given you everything you need. Bill Winston said something one time. He said, there's an unlimited supply for everyone in the kingdom. God's given you everything you need. We just have to activate it by pulling it down from the spirit realm into the natural realm. And we do that through praise and thanksgiving. We have to praise God. We have to praise him in advance. So, guys, here it is. When you know and you're expecting God to do something, you walk every day in praise. You walk every day in thanksgiving. You just get up in the morning. You don't have to walk down the street. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because people are going to start looking at you, which you probably don't care. But if you just get up and say, Lord, I just thank you for what you're about to do in my life. I thank you for what you're about to do in my finance. You can have it right in your notes on your phone and just go, God, thank you for blah, 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 blah. But I thank you. Hallelujah. God, I praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I just bless you. And God is hearing that. We don't have to be loud for God to hear it. You know, we just just pray and, and just pray. And when you do that, he will bless you. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you. And remember to love, learn, live, and lead.